Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. That's right. Welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, Christians with Torah. I'm here in Studio C. C. We said this was C. Yep. C. (laughs) (laughs) With Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. How you doing? Oh, it's great to be here. You know, Pastor Nick is doing especially well today. Yes. Um, I would say he's a new dad. But I he's am. a new dad again. A new dad again, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is Who's um, your daddy? Who's your daddy? That's right. They know. They who your daddy is. They <laughs> they know. And so Ahava Hope was born Ahava on Hope Plumber. Tuesday. Yeah. December which is 1st. why we're late doing the podcast. Thanks, and it was it was Ahava. her due date. On her due date which, forty weeks. Like who does I that? No, that's kinda cool. Yeah. So do you think that she'll be punctual for the rest of her life? I don't know. You think she like was uh, precursor? She set the record for all the kids, the eighth child. She's the heavyweight champ of the world. Which was? Nine pounds, 13 ounces. Yes. That's wow. Right. She's the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Wow. At least of the Plummer family. And guess who she beat out? Who? Hadassah. And Hadassah was chunky, huh? Hadassah was the, the, the heavyweight champ. The previous the heavyweight champ. Yes. And she got. Interesting. Maybe this is putting bookends on the girls. I don't know. They're bringing it. Yeah. Yeah. They're Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> full, gospel. <laughs> full gospel. Let's do it. Let's get into it. What do you got? Some announcements? I do. I do. So uh, December 5th, which is this Shabbat, Mason Clover is going to be with us. So that's exciting. Yeah, he's a great uh, musical artist. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. We we love Mason Clover, and so we're excited to have him come into our congregation again. Um, he's a friend of our congregation, and they have a congregation, what is it, somewhere up in the Midwest, middle of the country, flyover Oklahoma. States. Oklahoma. Yep. Also, Hanukkah. Hanukkah starts December 10th in the evening, and the last night of Hanukkah is December 17th. That's right, the last evening. So we're very excited because Hanukkah is a lot of fun. Uh, We like to go all out. We enjoy participating with our Jewish brothers and sisters in this festival. It's all about the rededication of the temple. That's right. Rededication. And as such, uh, the miracle of the oil that is tradition. Right, folklore. It is tradition uh, that we get to eat fried foods. This is uh, definitely for all of us men a great holiday. I like donuts. Yeah. Jelly filled and other types That's of donuts. Right. My favorite are actually like the cakey blueberry ones. There you go. Yeah, those are good. Make it known. Make it known. Just so everybody knows. You have spoken. I have spoken. Uh, I also like lockies, and I like all different kinds of lockies. I like them with onions, without onions. That's I like them, you know, with different spices and seasonings, like yeah. with jalapenos, without jalapenos. I like them with applesauce. I like them with sour cream. I like it with salsa. There you go. I mean, like, I'm pretty much, I like fried potatoes. Potato pancakes. Yeah. Lockies. So lockies are pretty good. Um, so yeah, Hanukkah, 10th through the 17th. We're going to be participating in that. We have services here at Beit Tehila on the 12th, 13th, and 14th. That's a... Saturday, Shabbat, a Sunday new moon service right. at 6 o'clock, and then a Monday night service with on the our, 14th. With uh, guest speaker, Pastor uh, Gerald Durstein. That's right. And so Gerald Durstein will be with us. Right. So 
Very cool. Man, we got a lot going on. Oh, we sure do. But you know what we're doing today? Yes, we're doing the Torah portion. We're going to be doing the Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is Vaishlach and He Sent, uh, which you can find in the book of Genesis, chapter 32, starting in verse 3 and ending in chapter 36 and verse 43. And there's a good Haftorah as well, but I don't even know if we're going to make it to that. No. Probably not. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> the Haftorah is Obadiah, chapter 1, because there's only one chapter, verses 1 through 21. So we're going to jump right in here. Vayishlach, he sent, and uh, just another little footnote here, kind of, kind of interesting fact. You know, uh, last week's Torah portion was Vayatsi. Vayatsi. Right? Vayatsi, yeah. He, he departed. Yes, that's he, right. So he departed. What's the another name for it? Uh, and he, he went. And he went. Yep. So anyway, uh, what's quite fascinating is that when Pastor Randy who was one of the founders of Beit Tehila, went to be with the Lord, that was the Torah portion. Right. You know, and so, so he departed. He departed. On the Torah portion, and he departed. Right. And so my daughter was born during this portion. Wow. Of Vayetzi. Yeah. Which, you know, is still in effect until Friday night. Correct. And the Torah portion also that we're studying today is, and he sent. So he departed, right. but he sent. You know, um, if you kind of tie this in, like, as far as principles go, it's it's... Last week was pretty fascinating because, you know, Jacob had to leave his mom and his dad and his brother for the sake of his well-being in life. Yep. And to find a wife because Esau had married foreigners. And it never works out if you study Israel when you marry foreigners. So to make a long story short, so he goes and he starts a family of his own. He uh, accumulates great wealth and livestock and servants and maidservants and different things. And so uh, after Joseph is born, he says, it's time to go back to the promised land. So like the house of Joseph. So you can see today uh, among the house of Joseph, which would be a of the nations, people coming out of the nations, wanting their Hebrew roots uh, for the past 20, 25 years at least, that we are onto something big here because, you know, now he's going to come back into the land. So what I find interesting is that, you know, as we make our way back to the land, we're going to have to sit down with our family there yes, and talk about different things and come up with some agreements. That's right. And associations. Make some covenants. So with that, you know, uh, Jacob prepares to meet Esau. So he's got some unfinished business here. He was told that when his father dies, he's going to die as well, that Esau's going to murder him. You know, as soon as dad dies, you're going to die. And that's been weighing on him for, what, 20 years now. That's right. So for 20 years, he's had to deal with this. And think about this in vain imaginations. And he's been gone. In so so who did Jacob send messengers to in the country of Edom? So he's on the run, and he sends ahead of him uh, some messengers to his brother Esau. That's right, his brother Esau. And so what did Jacob tell his messengers to tell his brother Esau? So he wants to find grace in his sight, so that I might find grace in thy sight. Now... Where's grace in the Old Testament? I can this? think of the word chen and the one that pops up, which is the Hebrew word for grace. And it is the big one that pops up to me is that Noah found grace in the sight of the See, Lord. See, so grace is found in the Old Testament. Oh, absolutely. So that's kind of cool. You know, there's a big controversy over the dispensational claim, which is periods of time, which is great. Yeah. But if you study the covenants, it's going to make much more sense. It does. Uh, and, and so what two reactions did Jacob have when his messengers told him that Esau was coming to meet him? With four hundred men. Uh, well, based Can I get on a head count over there. Yeah. <laughs> four hundred. Based on what he knows uh, so far, and the fact that he hasn't been able to speak to his brother for twenty years, that he's coming with four hundred men, 
It says he was greatly afraid and distressed, which is understandable. You know, I, I would have to say if I was in his shoes, I would be concerned too. Because you would think maybe 10, 12, little party coming. It's like a small army, like a militia. Listen, four, I mean, a centurion is over 100 soldiers right. in the Roman. Right? 400 men is a, a legion, lot. Isn't a legion 100 men? Especially when he's traveling with like flocks and herds and men, women, and children of an unknown number. But he's not prepared to go against a group of men, you know, 400 men. No, his entourage isn't that big. So I understand why he's distressed. I'll tell you, the, the first militia really in the Bible was probably found with Abraham when he went to go get Lot. Which was what, 318? He had like over 300. Yep. So Jacob divided his family and all that he owned into two bands. If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company shall escape. So he makes two bands. Uh, Jacob reminded God of the promise that was made about the seed that cannot be numbered. So he's attaching himself to this promise. He's, he's attaining to this promise. Uh, why don't you read Genesis uh, 32, 12, Ryan? It would be my distinct honor. Well, go ahead and read verse 11 and get a little set up here for what's a prayer. You know, he's, he's crying out. Sure. I, so he sends the two bands, and then he says, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So it's a good strategy. It works in the Bible. God makes a promise. Remind him of his promise. So we can find that reference in Genesis chapter 28, uh, verses 13 through 15. He's referencing that. Yes. That he was already told that. The original promise. Which is cool. So what does Jacob do? Well, Jacob gave the following presents to Esau. 200 she-goats. 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 kine, which is, of course, cattle, 10 bulls, and 20 she-donkeys, and 10 foals. Now, this was wise. Wow. This is wisdom here, because here's what he does. This is, this is what I think it's like seven groups of, of gifts or something like that, or five groups of gifts. So what he does is he sends them in waves. So first he sends the goats. That's what it says. Yep. Then he sends the sheep. Then he sends the camels, then he sends the cows, then he sends the donkeys. And so he sends all these things ahead of himself because, all right, you send a gift. If he would have sent it all at once, then it would have been like, oh, wow, that's a big gift. But, you know, I've still got this mood that's about it. That's verse 16. Right. We, we put, it says right here that, uh, and he delivered them into the hand of his servants. Every drove by themselves and said unto his servants, pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. Right. So it comes in, in, in droves. So what he's doing is he's wearing Esau down, right? You know, more gifts? More gifts? What? It's like the eight days of Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah. He won't be as mad. Exactly. So the idea is he's wearing them down. And now he's got to take care of them. Because it's a gift that can run away. <laughs> Keep them busy. That's your Maybe 400 men. Maybe that'll make men. it matter. If I send at least, a t that's 400 uh, goat, she goats and ewes, right? Uh, between that's four hundred right there. So with everybody gets their own. Listen, I everybody to, gets something. We came in here this morning. You I, get a goat. Yeah, you get a I had goat. to try to catch this one lizard, and I pulled it off. But I could just imagine if I had ten of them. You get a goat. Oh my goodness. Oh man. So Jacob followed after the presents he had prepared for Esau. Of course, once again, his lookouts, his little uh, scouts, are, are knowing which way he's coming, what's happening, what's going on. So what took place while Jacob sent his family over to one side of the brook and he was left alone? So he's left alone and he wrestles with a man until the breaking of day. And 
as a result, his thigh ends up out of joint. So why don't you go ahead and read those two verses? Uh, it's actually uh, Genesis 32, verses 24 and 25. 24 and 25. Of 32. Yep, I got Genesis. it here. It says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So, you know, wrestling with God, that's what Jacob's doing. I mean, I think we all wrestle with God in some way, shape, or form. Some people say we shouldn't wrestle with God. That's their their take on it. But I would say that I think when you say that the statement, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling, kind of sounds like wrestling. You were a wrestler. I was a wrestler. And it's up close and it's grappling. Yep. And you got to try to get the advantage. Well, I... I over that... <laughs> Person, opponent. yeah, right. That's like a circumstance. It is. It comes, it wants to get you. The idea that we don't wrestle with God, I mean, what do we do? Just turn our backs on him? You know, I If you don't wrestle with God, then you're not really living. Well, then what are you doing, right? Yeah, you're not doing anything, I don't I, think. I think that all of us have questions. All of us have doubts. All of us have things that we deal with. We all have, you know, sin that so easily besets us. We all have these things. We're in this flesh, and, and because of it, we deal with things. And so... We could choose to try to wrestle ourselves all the time, or we can choose to wrestle with God. And I think that at the end, God leaves us in a condition that is going to make us better. So let's say that he disjoints you know, Jacob's thigh, and Jacob has to walk with a limp for the rest of his life, but he's never going to forget that experience. And that, that limp will end up helping him in the long run, I would suppose. Because and that's why you... Uh... All things work together for the good of those that love God. That's why you put the shank bone on the Passover Seder plate as a reminder. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's interesting, you know? Um, and so we go on into Genesis chapter 32, verses 26 through 28. It says, And he said, Let me go, for thy day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name <laughs> shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. So Israel means prevailing prince, co-ruler with God. Jacob means supplanter. So he's getting an upgrade in his name. Like Abraham means father of a multitude. Uh, no, it means exalted father. Abraham means exalted father. Uh, he becomes, uh, so Abram becomes Abraham, which is then a father of a multitude. Which, That's right. straight. Sarai means like contentious, you know, argumentative, whatever. And then, of course, she, her name is changed to Sarah, which is, of course, uh, princess. So it looks to me like when a circumstance comes in our life, we have to wrestle with it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting how when you're involved in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement um, and you get yourself established as a community, like we want to build a strong community and raise up the next generation. That's our mantra. That's our, that's our speaking right there. Hey, that's what we want. Yeah. What will happen is then the father's showing us, hey, that's well and good, but now I'm going to throw another wave at you the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. And so it's through the Torah portion, Judah approaches Joseph, that we can actually see this as a prophecy or a future event right. that was going to take place. And of course, it, it's, a, it's a respect of Judaism and Christianity together, uh, and, and, and of course, practicing our own beliefs and our faith. But at the same time, it's called a mutual respect. And what I find interesting is that we are there. Yeah. So if we don't go to this next level, we're going to be left behind. Yeah. Then you won't be wrestling anymore. You'll be just maintaining or right whatever you're doing. But you know, um, there's there's many things that we can do to that wrestle or you know 
one of the things that I would say is a big thing is our faith. We wrestle with our faith. And faith, as we wrestle and we do exercises that increase our faith, we make improvements. So if we're just going back to doing the same things over and over again, and don't necessarily increase anything, as you mentioned, you just maintain, right? So when God takes us out of our comfort zone, that's where we're actually using our faith, right? It doesn't take faith to go to church. It doesn't take faith necessarily to read your Bible, especially if it's something that you do kind of automatically already. These are the things that you've gotten into the habit of doing. But when God takes you out of your comfort zone and says, hey, it's time for you to participate in the reconciliation and regathering of the whole house of Israel, that Jews and Gentiles need to come together and, and, and work it out. And, you know, Christians need to repent for, for the way that they have, you know, treated the right. Jewish people over the years. That t- takes a lot more faith, I think, to walk out and participate in than just your run-of-the-mill go-to-service on Sunday. Right. And, and there's a know. lot of conspiracy theories out there, a lot of lies and different things, you know. And, like, the church has, of course, you know, replaced the Jewish people, which right. is false, totally false. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so my thing is, you know, if all of Jacob's children were born outside the land of Israel— Except for Benjamin, yeah. which is like a picture of the Messiah, because Rachel named him Benoni, right. and Jacob says, oh, no, that's uh, what I like about Jacob. Yeah. You're not going to name him that. No. My wife and I have been through this. Yeah. So <laughs> she's won most of these, but it's okay. Who but came up with the Hava? It's interesting that I, I swayed her. Ooh. I didn't woo her, but I swayed her. I persuaded. Persuasion. Yeah. And, and, and I guess, you know, she was feeling pretty good with the epidural. Yeah, <laughs> we were, and I was, and, or maybe no. I think it was before. I think yeah. it was before. No, I think it was before the epidural. So yeah. you got her distracted. You were in the advantage. I was position. working. I was working. Did y'all? Re- you wrestled. Well, she knew my motives. So like, <laughs> she had some names picked out, and I had some names. And we didn't, couldn't really. Couldn't. I said, you know what? I, I real. I like the name Ahava. I mean, at first I wasn't real sure about because I thought about hand cream. Yeah, the Dead Sea. Oh yeah, yeah. But I said, I told her. I said, you know. <laughs> I like a Hava. That's yeah. a beautiful name. But we won't put the H on it. Oh, and she goes, oh, no, we won't. And I went, gotcha. She said, yeah, a Hava. So what do you do without an H? There's no H on the end of a Hava. Oh, on the end of a Hava. On got it, end. got it, got it, got it, got yeah, it. So we took the H's off. Understood. For Adea has right, it. Right, right. has it. You're right. Briella does it, and Eva doesn't have it. And so now a Hava doesn't have an H at the end. So it's a lot of fun. It's like the Duggar family. Yeah. Everyone's named by the letter J. Josiah. Yeah. Nehemiah. Uh, Micah. That's it. Hadassah. Yeah. We can go down the line, obviously. Oh, yeah. So so anyway. So speaking of names. Yeah. I mean, one more thing. Israel. What a name Israel is. And it's a conglomeration, and it's a play on words. So this is one of the cool things about the name Israel, right? Because built into the name Israel, you have the word prince. L, yeah. Right? Well, L is God. Right. Right? You have the word prince. You have the word uh, man, right? Ish. You have the word uh, wrestle. All built in this same word. Right. And so they say, you know, prevailing prince, co-ruler with God, right? Because... You're you're putting together the man, the prince word, and the Kassar uh, is prince, and then, anyways, long story short, the idea though is that princes from this context are the ones that go to war and make you know victory and bring back the prestige right. or whatever to their their homeland and things like that. You could actually go into the Toronto corner and say, "I am now." Ooh, and I, I'll tell you, there was something that stood out to me when you mentioned the name of Israel. Um. Let's see here. I mean, uh, what's in a name, right? Well, you know, let's see here. Ashley, you are the representation of God. That's the connotation. Mm. You actually represent God. Like his agent. You're his agent. Yeah. 
And what did Yeshua say? Hey, you're my ambassador. That's right. Right. So, so that is the coolest thing. So this is what's going to be really neat in the days ahead. When people think, oh, Israel's just made up of Jews, right? It's just Jews. Look at the Jews. Yeah. Which is what? 15 million people out of 7 billion. Yeah. What's going to happen when this awakening takes place? It's already happening. I mean, because Judah has the scepter. I believe in Israel is a Jewish state. Amen. But what I'm saying is that I I know even right now there was a debate about these Ethiopian Jews, and a lot of them were Christians, and there's like 8,000 of them. And predominantly, I guess the secular Jews are like, let them come to the nation. Yeah. But then the Orthodox are like, no, we're only going to take a few thousand. So they were like trying to finish out this airlift or whatever it is. Aliyah. Yeah. Aliyah. So I only say that because if you can identify with Israel, even on the Land of Israel Network, they make reference to, hey, if you identify with Israel and you support the Jewish people and bring them no harm, right, to that degree and everything, sure. and support, then you're you're a part. What does Yeshua say? You know? so that, Yeshua so that's says, cool. if you're not against me, yeah. you're for me. That's true. That's and so, true. I, you know, think of it from a political standpoint. So just that particular instance— uh, these folks are Jews, but from a faith standpoint, they happen to be Christian. So they're ethnically Jews, but they're right. religiously Christian. Right. So, Some but, of them, yeah. But they're still Jews. And Jewish is a secular Jewish state, right? Right. So from a governmental standpoint, these people have the right of return to make Aliyah. This is true. However, you have the chief rabbis, and so they get to influence That's you true. Know, who's a real Jew, who's right. not a real Jew, all that. Practice okay. Judaism. I mean, so a lot of politics involved sure. in that. Sure. But it's important to note that for Israel for the future. Their goal long-term is to have a united Israel sovereignty over That's all right. of the land of Israel. Right. And politically, in order to make that feasible, there has to be so many, an overwhelming majority of, uh, I don't want to say right-wing, at least center-right, nationalistic Israeli, right. whether it's, they're it's Christians or Jews right. or Druze. Because once you bring in other groups of people who may oppose your ideology into the fold, i.e. Palestinians who want to stay, that you want to give citizenship to, at that point... It's going to be interesting how it plays out. Oh, and this is just one way it could play out. We all have to live somewhere, so I'm just saying, you know. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, which means the face of God, and as he passed over... Penuel, he left with a limp once again. So if if he wrestled with God as a theophany, why would he say face to face? Because there was a theophany there, you know. And so we're going to jump right into here. We've talked about wrestling with God. We're going to move on to, uh, I'm going to let Ryan take this chapter here. Genesis chapter 33. Uh, we have, of course, Jacob meets Esau. We're going to hit this outline. We're not going to do any reading for the sake of time. Uh, We've got a time management here. It's kind of an oxymoron. (laughs) Can't really manage time. It happens, right? Yeah. Uh, and I like this one. Oh, quality time. Yeah. No, you either give time or you, or you don't. don't. You yeah. know what I mean? So Genesis chapter 33, uh, Jacob meets Esau. So just before meeting Esau, Jacob put the handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. So yeah. this is interesting because I don't know. Like I think that's favoritism. It absolutely is. So he's going in order of favoritism. You know, he's that's, saying, all that's right. That's good. You guys go ahead, because right. if y'all get lost, then at least I still have, you know, Leah and yeah. Rachel and her kid. Oh, and then if they get lost, then I still have at least my so favorites. he definitely was, was moving in fear. He was. Which is, you know, it would make sense to that degree. I mean, 
yeah. as far as protection. No, no, no doubt. So then we come to this culmination, right? So he's been, you know, dreading this moment. He finally lays eyes on Esau. And so he's making his way up to Esau. And what does he do? Jacob bows down seven times in front of his family before he came near to his brother Esau. So he's, he's bowing. He's Showing walking. Honor. He's bowing. Homage. He keeps doing it in order so that... Um, Esau knows that he's not coming as a threat, right? That he's not coming with any ill right. intention. He's coming paying honor. He just sent, you know, droves of gifts in front of him. And he's he's lowering himself. Yes. They say when you see a bear, try to be big. Make yourself big. Depends. So if there's That's a bit, if it's a black bear or grizzly, yeah. you do which the opposite. Survival, which survival <laughs> show did you watch? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I curled up in a ball and he chews uh, on me. No, 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 no. Yeah. The grizzly I thought I go into a fetal position. <laughs> The, uh, the what you do with a black bear is different than a grizzly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm going to look into this. You need to because we have so many around here. <laughs> Florida, we have black bears. That's true. All right, let's keep going. So when Esau ran to meet Jacob, he embraced him, fell on his neck, and kissed him. What did the two brothers do? They wept. They wept. They were apart 20 years, right? Yeah. Basically 20 years. I would imagine that vain imaginations has to be one of the strongest things within our brain, right? Because when you are thinking about having a meeting at work that's going to be contentious, you run that scenario through your head over and over and over again. Or maybe you you know, have to go and see somebody that you had done something wrong to in the past, but you haven't seen them in a long time. In this case, you know, and right. you're, you're going to go and see them. Yeah. You play it over and over. It could go this way. Or what if we do that? What if I said this? Or what if he right. said that? You know, it's what am I? Imaginations. It's vain imaginations. It's vanity. Because what does Yeshua says? He says, if who of you can add an hour to their life with worry? And the answer is none of you. <laughs> you can't extend your you life. You know what's with worry. interesting? If you look at a, a a map of of the Bible here at that time, you know, Edom is south of the Dead Sea. Yes. So what's interesting is Esau went ahead and got himself established over there to the east, you know. Right. Notice he didn't set up shop in Jerusalem. Nope. Or where he lived. Well, it's not his land. He went east. Yeah, he went to go be with Ishmael. So somehow he was kind of east, eastward there. So so let's continue on. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he set up camp with uh, the Ishmaelites. And so, um, you know, Jacob was going to give... Uh, Esau these gifts, right? So he put them ahead of him. Esau was trying to basically give them back. He says, right. no, I can't take your gifts. But because of Jacob's persistence, Esau took the gifts. Right. And so when Esau wanted Jacob to journey with him, his excuse was that his children are tender and his livestock is young. And so Esau wants to spend time with him. He yeah, wants to hey, rekindle. come with me. Let's go. Jacob's like, I'm alive. I'm out of here. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to hit the road, Jack. And so he's not having it. Um, you know, he didn't know if Esau was trying to lure him into a trap or what. Even though everything went well and the reunion went well, you know, I think that in the back of Jacob's mind, he's thinking, you know, I need to get back. I need to finish this journey, right, and get back. Right. So um, he he makes so he makes it this far. He he refuses it. He says, you know, look, I I can't go with you. You got four hundred men. You guys are going to move at a quicker pace than us. Let us, you know, take it slow. We stop every you know quarter mile. And, and I think after this, Esau took everything, and he started his own franchise of petting zoos. <laughs> I mean, they at least ate well for a while. Whew. You know, look, I've got right now. I think I have eight goats left, right? And even eight goats. I thought you were getting rid of your goats. I am getting rid of them. I mean, oh. I say get, getting rid sounds heartless. You know what I mean? But I, um, I think I'm going to bless someone else with them after they make an offering. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. It's called commerce. It is. Continue on. It is. So, but we still have, like I said, eight goats at the moment. Um, 
So uh, Esau offered to leave some of his people with Jacob, but Jacob refused. Again, Jacob's like, mm, I'm all set. He doesn't need any of the, the Edomites. And so while, he knows what he's doing. And so while Esau made his way to Seir, Jacob journeyed to Sukkot and built a house along with some booths, some sukkahs for his cattle. Interesting. So he rises into, rise into the land and builds a sukkah. So he builds sukkahs in Sukkot. You know, so this is interesting. It's possible that the name Sukkot of the city is actually named after the sukkahs that Jacob built. And that the writers of these accounts, right, Moses, just used the name because that was the name at the time. So um, what did Jacob purchase when he got to Shalem in the city of Shechem? Let's see something here real quick here. Or in a city, in the city, a city in Shechem. Shalem, a city in Shechem. Let's see here. Which is interesting because when you're on, like when I was on Mount um, Gerizim and I'm standing there, I'll ask, oh, is that Shechem? And they're like, no, that's this town. And you look over here, oh, is that Shechem? And he's like, no, that's this town. So I'm thinking everything that's down in that valley is Shechem, but there's like three or four towns all down there. And Shechem is actually the town that's right in between the two mountains. So just a little cross-reference here. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 37, they're coming out of Egypt. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to to Sukkot. Right, that's what I was talking about, yeah. About 600,000 on foot that were men beside children and that's in exodus yeah exodus yeah. so ramses to sukkot so our goal is to get to sukkot that's right that's a, a a festive time that's right and so so the question again what did jacob purchase in shalem a city in shechem a parcel of a field from hamar for a hundred pieces of money i see the word lambs in there in the hebrew but interesting some kind of a could have been a hundred lambs some kind of a what do you call it bartering or something or or, or maybe he stole the lambs. A and parcel of a field from Hamar for 100 pieces of money, and then in parentheses, lambs. I have seen this field. This field is still a field, right? They haven't built on top of it. Um, close by is also Joseph's um, burial site, where Joseph is buried. Um, but it's interesting that you can look down off of Harbracha, um, if you go into, we actually go in through the Samaritan village and then over to the end, there's like a lookout right? where you can see Joseph's tomb down there and then you can see the to field. To the left is the field, to the right is Joseph's tomb. Correct. From that viewpoint. Correct. And they've really uh, built that up pretty nice. You know, it's interesting, like I, I was going back to, the, it says a hundred pieces of money or for a hundred lambs. Huh. So he gave a hundred lambs maybe yeah. for that property. So there's an exchange there. You talked about that, I think in times past. There's, a, there's an exchange with Abraham purchasing the cave of Machpelah in the field. Right, yeah, I was having that conversation with uh, Matthew Sprunt, you know, and I was trying to yeah. figure out. And yeah, he well, was telling the current value of silver, it, it would have ended up being like $2,300 or something like that. Anyways, I've heard, I, then I went and looked it up, I've heard like seven different values. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. It was a lot of money. It was the, is the traditional understanding that he paid more than it was worth, um, So he's setting up shop. Jacob's kind of setting up shop right now. He is. He's getting ready. So Jacob erected an altar there and called it El Elohe Israel, which means the God of Israel. Wow. It is. Yeah. So it's cool because um, when you build an altar, it shows... Ownership. It shows ownership. And so he's saying, even though I bought this field... It belongs to the Lord. Yeah, and you have the one true altar in in Jerusalem where his name is. But remember when the enemy would come, 
Right. And they would offer up their children as a sacrifice, and they would put up all of these altars just to yeah. mock God. Yeah. Out of line. Not so let's go into Genesis chapter 34. He's going to set up shop. He's going to set up a dwelling place, a little homestead there. And then uh, we're going to get into Genesis chapter 34. The caption here is, Dina is raped. Not good. It's pretty, pretty intense. So let's jump into that, Ryan. All right. So who did Dina, the daughter of Leah, go out to see? She went to go see the daughters of the land. Right. So this is her first time here. Yeah. Right? She was born over uh, in uh, Haran. Haran. Right. Yeah. So she's born in Haran. And now that she's in this area, she's going out to see the Canaanite women. And she has no sisters. Right. Not only does she have no sisters, she also has no experience dealing with these types of folks, right? That's true. Different culture, um, different types of people. And so uh, we've all maybe experienced this going to a new school, going to a new workplace. Right. People do things differently. Uh, and so what four things did Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, do to Dina? Well, he did four things. He saw her. He took her. He laid with her, and, and it says that he defiled her, which is kind of like, uh, it means he humbled her. Mm. <clears throat> so we know what the Torah says, that when you lay with a, with your, with your, with a woman, uh, and she's your first one, you are obligated to marry her, mm-hmm. pay the dowry and all of that. Sure. That's what the Torah teaches later on down the road. So. And I've heard some different things um, about the humbling part, the defiling part, because yeah. sometimes you, these things happen, right? And we then, say rape like she didn't consent. Right. Well, we, we, we say that. We don't we, we We'll have to ask her. Right. That's the beauty of <laughs> the people in the Bible. See, yeah. people wonder, what are we going to do in heaven? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Imagine how long it's going to take. Can you imagine just sitting around listening to these stories? Like, let me like fill you in on the tell, extra They're going to tell you the real story. Yeah. Well, this There's is the no real story. There's no fake news in heaven. No, for sure not. There's no fake news in heaven. No. No, but here we only get you know certain information for our own edification. So continue. But we could get more of the continue this storyline because this is this is you know this is a, you know this is sad. it is. I started to say that what I I've heard before that um, that he laid with her, but then he like made it public, right? So he told people, and that's part of the humbling her and the defiling her. Because it's one thing you do it in secret, you know. Right. I mean, it's another thing for you to be like bragging to your buddies, right. like, "Hey, I got the new girl, whatever." You know, not good. Not something that you know should be done. And so they worship other gods. Exactly. They didn't play by the rules. So Shechem's soul clave to Dina, and he loved her. He wanted his father Hamor to get her for his wife. All right. So this is I want another one of those stories. It's a little rough. So let's keep reading. So when Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob, and the sons of Jacob heard what happened to their sister, they were grieved and wroth. So you got to think, eleven older brothers. Okay, eleven older brothers. Uh, they've all been protecting this little girl all this time. Well, remember, I think she was sixth. She was? I thought she was 11th or 12th. I don't, I don't know. We'll have to look it up and see. I, we would be on last week's thing. Um, let's, let's look at While this. you look it up, I'm going to keep going. Um, so they were grieved in wrath, like I said, because they were protecting her all this time because she's their little sister. And then uh, after Hamor offered many things for Dina's hand in marriage to Jacob for the son, for his son, Jacob's sons agreed to give their sister, Dina, away in marriage if all the men circumcise themselves. So, hold on one second. Sure. Let's just look at the birth order. It's Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, then Dina. So she's one, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. She's the tenth child. She was born before Joseph. That's right. So yeah, but she she did, you know. She come, still had nine she, other bro- older so brothers. So she's older than Joseph and Benjamin. Correct. But you're right. So she had what? Nine older brothers. Nine. Yeah. And it's still a lot of older brothers. Three, four. Wait. One, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine. So she had nine older brothers. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Nine older brothers. That's a lot of older brothers because it even says here that the brothers had to agree. Jacob's sons agree to give their sister. So like we're talking that they were stewards of her and whatnot. So they were they were not happy, to say the least. All right. So let's do it. So then um, they agree to give her away in marriage if the men circumcise themselves. So, okay. And there's no response to Jacob at this point. You you don't hear anything about what his response was. But let's let's be real here. It was brought to his family him and his sons and the bo- all the brothers were livid let's say we're canaanites all right and we're just hanging out over here and our right. buddy goes and does something stupid with with some girl right the new girl that t- just moved to town and now his brothers want us to get circumcised so this guy can marry her i don't think that's, so that's the deal <laughs> I don't think so. i'm just saying like i'd be out but they agree so both jacob's sons and hamor shechem's father use deceit for their own intentions. So what's the two deceptions? The first one is, we'll get these guys to be circumcised, and then we're taking them out. Right. That's the deception. Yeah. But Shechem's deception was, hey, let's do this, because everything they have will be ours. Right, exactly Through right. assimilation. Right. They think you know? that they're going to be able to get in on the wealth. So that's what I love about the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement in the Torah. It's going to set you apart. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. They ask us what we wanted to eat at the hospital and everything. You know, like, do you have any, you know, allergies or do you have things that you can't eat? you tell them, kosher? Though, basically, it was, it was funny because we just said, well, my wife gets, no, yeah, we don't eat, you know, shellfish and pork. Yeah. So I get the paper with the menu on it and everything, like the, like the little receipt for the food, on, the, and, it, and it called it allergies. Yeah, I'm allergic to unclean food. Oh, I'm definitely allergic. But it said allergies. So yeah. we have to even get into the religious well, you know the Bible. We didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're just allergic to it or whatever. See, you didn't say like, oh, by the way, Leviticus 11 says. You but it's funny how we didn't have to preach to anybody. Ah, it could have been fun, though. I saved the paper. Okay. I'm going to use it as an object lesson. <laughs> Let's keep this all right, story so, so, going. So tell me, what did Simeon and Levi do to all the males of the city on the third day after the men were circumcised? They slew all the males with a sword. Then the sons of Jacob took all the possessions, children, wives, and spoil of the city. So they're contaminated. They're getting all these stuff, all their gods and all this stuff. So they pillaged. Yeah. Jacob was afraid of the inhabitants of the land of Canaan for what Simeon and Levi did to all the males of the city. Now, Jacob was afraid. So that's the only response we have from his daughter, you know, being compromised. Yeah. uh, You know, being defiled. And so now we have have this, of course, this storyline right here. So obviously, Um, Hamar does not get to marry Dina. No, because he's dead. And we don't, yeah, exactly. And so we don't get to hear from he's Dina dead. anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is rough. You wonder why things happen sometimes. God's got to intervene and do this and do that. You know, it's been said that God says, listen, you know, I got to get all these wicked people out of the land. Yeah. That's why I'm bringing you to it. Oh, yeah. But see, then when his people go wicked, then they get expelled out of the land. Well, because it's people God's land. understand that. See, it's that's God's why, land. here's the thing, Ryan. It's not that the, 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 the Jewish people are perfect or the government or anything like that. No, God forbid. Not. No, yeah. it's not that. Right. The, the fact of the matter is God's got a plan. He does. And he wants to implement this plan. Sure. And he's going to do it his way. And so he's going to bring in the people to the land who he wants. 
Right. And I believe that these wars happen around Israel, even to the north, the Battle of Gog and Magog, whatever you want to say. Yep. And and it's not going to work. They're right. not going to come in there and take the land because they're not the right people to be in the land. Sure. So I want to mention just very quickly that I, there are those out there that are dissenters to the Bible and to God and to Judaism and Christianity, and they say that um, you know that it's a book that condones wholesale murder and genocide. rape and genocide and things like that. And so uh, I want to just mention that that is not the case. Um, a, God created everything. He gives life. He can take it away. That's that, right. That's his deal. All right. So you're going to have to deal with that part. However, in this case, Simeon and Levi pay the price and so do their descendants. Um, they get, you know, kind of they get nixed on the inheritance part. Let me read that. Oh, please. Genesis 49, five. Yes. Here we go. So here's Jacob's blessing to all of his sons. He says, Simeon and Levi brethren, uh, well, Simeon and Levi are brethren Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Mm-hmm. O oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret, see, unto their assembly, okay? Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So think about it. So Levi becomes, you know, a priesthood that's going to slay animals and use a knife. Yep. And of course, what does Simeon do? Is, there's Reuben, Simeon, Levi. And of course, Simeon is one of the instigators for throwing Joseph into the pit. Because remember, Joseph kept Simeon back. Right. And locked him up. Right. So it's like payback time. Oh, yeah. Let's see how he likes it, because you reap what you sow. You sure do. So let's continue on in the story. Let's. So uh, at this point now, Jacob's name has been soiled a bit throughout the area that they're currently living. Right. Um in Shechem, all right. So, and if and if you know Shechem, Shechem's right in between uh, Mount Abel and Mount Gerizim, and so that's kind of an entrance to on the, the land. shoulders of. So they move over, and he returns to Bethel, and so the the title for this section 35. in Genesis thirty five is Jacob returns to Bethel or Beit El, um, which is the place where he saw. The ladder. The ladder. The portal. Right. So God told Jacob to go back to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar. Now, I will mention that there is, I don't want to say controversy, but there is some debate over whether this is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem or whether this is the modern day area that we call Bethel. Yeah. Um, and there's evidence to say both, but the controversy comes because the Northern Kingdom named an area Bethel and right. set up a golden calf there. Um, but we don't know if it was Bethel before that and that they were just right. putting it there or if Bethel was actually means house of God. Jerusalem. Exactly right. And so we know that there's a heavenly portal in Jerusalem. Amen. I mean, there's, there just is a, a place. Up and down. Right. So here's the question. Uh, what three things did Jacob ask his household and all who were with him to do before arriving in Bethel? He's got a clean house. Now, remember, they pillars, they, they took everything, uh, put away the strange gods that are among you. Be clean and change your garments. I like this. I like so, this because this is almost like a teshuvah. Hey, there, look. There's some assimilation going on here. We're going to be going to a place, and we're going to be starting fresh. And guess what? We're going to leave all that stuff that you guys picked up in uh, in Shechem. We're going to leave all that in Shechem. And so we're going to Bethel. And if you thought you can get away with stuff, you can't. You need to, you know, to straighten up. And so Jacob took all the strange gods and their earrings and hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. 
The inhabitants of the land did not pursue Jacob and his sons because the terror of God was upon the cities. I mean, they had just slayed a whole city. Maybe those people didn't know about the whole circumcision part where how these guys were kind of weakened right. prior um, to going into battle or whatever. Uh, the inhabitants of the land didn't pursue them because of that. And so Jacob built an altar and called the place El Bethel, which means the God of Bethel. So it's the God. That's where he had his epiphany. Of the house of God. Right. And so Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. And the name of the place was Alom Bakuth, which means the oak of weeping. Um, so Rebecca's nurse, well, that's, she's up there. Right. So that, exactly right. So Rebecca's nurse is obviously old because this is Jacob's mother's nurse. I'm sure she's older than Rebecca. Right. But here's the thing. So in this type of a household, right, if this is Rebecca's nurse, Deborah, then this woman cared for Jacob. Uh, for all these years. She was um, a nanny. Right. And so he looks at her as a motherly figure, I'm sure, and, you know, a, a well-loved member of the family. And so whenever she passes away, she gets, you know, a notation here where they even name a place, the Oak of Weeping. That's good. You know? So uh, Genesis chapter 35, verses 10 through 12 says this, And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. So he's getting a nice little reminder Hallelujah. from God. He's, he's kind of been put through the ringer. I love it, though, because I love seeing very clear scriptures that show how the inheritance is being passed down. It's almost like a will, you know, where you sit down with the estate attorney and there's just no questions. Hey, this is what it says in black and white. That's what we're going to do. Well, another thing, Ryan, that we need to, to, to point out here, and, and, and this is like a template. Remember when, um, you know, Isaac and Rebecca were sporting and the king sporting. saw them. Yeah, sporting. Sporting. Uh, and so what happened is he realized they weren't brother and sister. How dare you put this on me? What are you doing? You know? Yeah. And so Isaac got through it. You know, Abraham lied. Isaac lied. Jacob's a deceiver. Lying runs in the, the house of Israel. But the thing is, Ryan, is that it says that he got a hundredfold return after that situation. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, once you have closure and you fix something and you're ready for the next chapter, God blesses you. You know, you know, we, I can say that we were talking about this yesterday. I'm, um, you know, belong to a young professionals, you know, group of Christians, not Hebrew roots necessarily, just a kind of a local, you know, business roundtable style group. And uh, we were talking about this about wolves in sheep's clothing and what's a wolf and what's not a wolf. And you know, somebody described a, a pastor that was of a you know the largest megachurch in Florida, but you know had a, a moral failure and committed adultery, and it came out and it was public and had to step down, and he was you know. Um, you know, his name was, you know, drugged through the mud. Uh, a recent event that happened um, from a, a mega church pastor here in America as well. It just so, ha you know, happened. It's been all over the news, secular media and, you know, religious media. And they were saying these guys are wolves in sheep's clothing. And I was like, man, I don't know if those guys are necessarily wolves in sheep's clothing. I imagine a wolf in sheep's clothing That's is somebody. That's an accusation. Well, but a, a wolf in sheep's clothing being someone who is uh, through their 
false doctrines, pulling a people away from the Lord on purpose. Or bad intentions. Bad intentions. So we're talking about someone who had a moral failure. Correct. Yeah, Correct. that's not... And so what we what ended up happening, we came full circle, and we came up with, I think, the same answer you just came up with, because we talked about King David. Was King David a wolf in sheep clothing, or did God say that King David was a man after his own heart? This is true. So... We, you reap what you sow, though. You, we bring on a lot of problems. And though. then we brought up Yeshua saying, judge not, lest ye be judged. For the measure with which you judge, you know, we'll we'll be met judged. out to you, right? So it, it's important to, to note that. But all of that, you know, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. You know, I, was, I, had, I had it. It sounded good, though, you know. <laughs> well, no, because, well, I mean, you're just, you're just looking at it as a viewpoint of, Motives, right? Yeah, exactly, right. What are your motives, right? Why are what we? What are you doing? trying to achieve? What are you doing? You know, right? You know, Jacob paid a price, you know, right. for that, right? You know? Wait for his deception. Amen. Exactly right. And this was the the point, right? So he he ends up getting a name change and getting right. an elevation. The difference in every case where God continues to use somebody um, that has fallen into sin which I would make the argument that all of us have fallen into sin at some point or another. Uh, we love to point at other people's sin and judge the other people's sin, but yeah. but we all have it, right? And so um, the, the differentiating factor is repentance. Returning to God, repenting, confession, all those pieces, because I think when we own our sin and repent and right. turn away from it, that's, that's the differentiator. So... All right, so after God left Jacob, he set up a pillar of stone and poured a drink offering on it along with oil. Jacob called the place Bethel. So here we are, over another pillar. Yep. Over and over and over. And, you know, I think he's, he's reconciling to God. Yeah. You know, because to do this shows reconciliation. It yeah. shows that he knows the plan. He knows how it works. Yeah. So he's acknowledging God, wanting to do better. It's the, it's like though a righteous man falls seven times, he can still arise. And so we can see this unfold before our very eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And so who died while giving birth to a son? Jacob's wife, Rachel, Rachel. So I think we need to have like a moment of silence. Rachel's passing away right here in our Torah portion. You know, um, you know, this is a mother, you know, and you know how much Abraham loved Sarah. And now here's Jacob losing, you know, well, this Rachel. is his favorite wife, right. right? She's giving birth to Benjamin, which, you know, you already mentioned the whole Benoni, Benjamin thing, but, um, or maybe that was before we started. I don't remember if we were talking about that during. Yeah. The, let's, yeah. let's bring it up here. So just before Rachel died, she named her son Benoni, son of my sorrow. But Jacob named him Benjamin, or Benjamin, which is son of my right hand. She was buried in the way to Ephrat, uh, which is Bethlehem, Beit Lechem. And there's some debate over where that location is. But I will say this. We're literally driving along the roads in Samaria, and we look out, and there's this giant rock pile out there. And when I say giant rock pile, like, there's rocks everywhere in Israel. <laughs> so it's... So when I say there's a giant rock pile, that's saying something. And it's literally off in a field, um, you know, that people think is, hey, that's that's it right there. That's a, on the way. Because yeah. people say it's in Bethlehem. But it says here, on the way to Ephrat, which is Bethlehem. So it's on the way to Bethlehem. And this this particular place is on the way there. And so yeah. uh, what did um, what did Reuben do to Bilhah that Israel or Jacob heard about? He went and lay with her. Gosh, man. you know, I think Bilhah was... Rachel's handmaiden, wasn't it? Uh, I believe no, so. No, I think Zilpah was Rachel's handmaiden, but I'm not sure. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Um, so 
not a good choice though, either way. Um, you know, laying with one of your father's wives is not good. We'll find out in, uh, in future tour portions. So that this is, this a big is no-no. Ruben. This is Ruben. Correct. This is Ruben. Uh-uh. Let's see here. Bilha. And Bilha, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. All right. We're one for one now. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I just want to go back to, to Rachel. It's kind of interesting that she she bore Benjamin, who was the only son yeah. or child that was born in the land of Israel. In the land. Now, what's interesting is the fact that Benjamin was absorbed into Judah as you look at the 10 lost tribes. Right. He got absorbed into Judah. That's what the, the sages say, and that's what everybody yeah, says. Yeah, well, because of the but land that's allotment. even the territory, see. Right, it's because of the land so, allotment. anyway, let's continue Because on. you have a southern kingdom, which is made up of those tribes, you know, Benjamin, Simeon, uh, right. partial of, part of Levi, and Judah. So that's your southern kingdom, which is why I've always wondered why they say 10 and 2, because it's definitely <laughs> not 10 and 2. No. I mean, it's close. I mean... I know, but it's more they like... They kind of play down, Benjamin, though. It's when more I like nine of, and four. <laughs> when I talk to some of the tour guides that are yeah. Jewish in regards to, was Benjamin absorbed to the Judah? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah well, he kind of hung out. He, you know, whatever. It's, it's not... Well, like even Paul's a, a Benjamite. Deal. So they may be absorbed, but the people that are of Benjamin still know they're of Benjamin in, you know, Yeshua's day. And this is that's a thousand years after this. Two thousand, two thousand years after this. So Jacob wasn't happy about that. No, Jacob was very upset. And so uh, ultimately... That's an inappropriate relationship. It, it is definitely an inappropriate relationship. So That's ul- Jerry Springer. Yeah, ultimately, Reuben loses his birthright because of it. Um, but who gets his birthright? You know, if we go back and look at the references, to this day, Ephraim has the birthright. Biblically speaking, you can read it in the Bible. Uh, and of course, uh, Genesis chapter 35, verse 22 is a reference. Genesis 48, verses 17 through 20. Genesis 49, verses 3 and 4. And of course, if you would like to read, Ryan, First Chronicles chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Yeah, this is, this is definitely, we, you know, if, from a hermeneutic standpoint, from a you know, biblical interpretation standpoint, the best way... And we're making conversation here. Yeah. We are not teaching replacement theology. No, of course not. But the we best... We do not replace anybody. No, of course. Nobody's being replaced. As a matter of fact, all that's happened here is tent pegs have expanded. Right, because who's going to do who's going to do it? Right. So, First uh, Chronicles chapter five, verses one and two. Now, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright, for Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But the birthright was Joseph's. This is so that's what happens. He gets the coat of many colors. Right. He gets thrown into the pit. Right. Jacob adopts Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, crosses his arms, gives the firstborn blessing to Ephraim, says you're going to become a bunch of nations, multitude. ethnic groups, a multitude. Yep. And then Paul references this, when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, yep. all of Israel will be saved. So this is all part of God's plan it for is. people to come out of the nations, come alongside Jewish people or whatever. I mean, and that's the role that we got to play. Why? Because it's been revealed to us. But lastly, Jeremiah 31, 9, they shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Meaning, he has the birthright. Yeah. Firstborn birthright. 
Ephraim is my firstborn. Yep. So this isn't about arguing or debating. It's about living it out. Amen. So let's move on because that's a powerful, powerful reference book. We got to finish up here. It is. It is. And that First Chronicles chapter five uh, reference is probably the clearest scripture I've ever found that's specific right. to this. Um, all right. So Jacob finally arrived to his father Isaac's house in Mamre, the city of Arba, which is Hebron. Wow. So we're just now getting home to his father's house, to his his future inheritance. Uh, Isaac was 180 years old when he died, and his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. So wow. So he gets back. Um, I don't remember what age it is, but I think he's there for 15 or 17 years before his father That's dies. That's interesting. So there's some overlap here where he actually right. gets to spend time with his father in his later years. Unfortunately, however, he doesn't get to spend, um, you know, a ton of time with his his late wife Rachel because she dies on the way there, which is which is rough. But he still has three wives, which is enough. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not like he's he's not lonely. Yeah, no. The Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. It doesn't it's, say that about women. It doesn't say that. They, so he's not alone. No, he's not. Now Abraham lost Sarah. He got what? Who? Keturah. Keturah. Who and concubines. Midian, the Midianites who Saudi Arabia today. And that's working out really well. Thanks, Abraham. What are you going to do? This is great. I mean. It's it, all connected. You know why? What about the Abraham Accords? That is unbelievable. You know why this is great? Because it's real. Um, I think that one of the things that is interesting about other religious texts is that you read it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, all these people were perfect. Uh-huh. You know, we read ours and we're like, man. No. This these people are not perfect. They're real. But God used them. And so what it does is it gives me hope because hey, look, I'm not perfect, but God can still use me. Amen. So um he finally arrives, his father dies, Jacob and Esau get back together. So he was 180 him. years old when he died? Yep. You, you read that. I did. So what and, generation and Esau and Jacob buried him. And that's right. That's what brings families together. Weddings and funerals. It's amazing, it's right? It's kind of sad. It, it well, that's our present day, you know, yeah. reality. Um, you know, we have all this ability to be together, but we still aren't. Right. You know. Um, so what generations are mentioned in Genesis 36, chapters 1, or uh, verses 1 through 43? The generations of Esau, who is Edom, who are the Edomites. And so we find out some interesting stuff from reading about the generations of Esau. And one of the things we find out is who is descended from Esau that gives Israel a hard time. Who is that? I'm going to say Amalek is the grandson of Esau who became the Amalekites. Remember wow. Agag? Oh, man, I do. And Agag was not a good guy. And Haman, who was an Agagite? And Haman, who comes years later. Yep. So here we have a, a bloodline that's not really good. Yep. I agree. So this is definitely uh, trouble brewing, uh, all from Esau. And again, you know, one of the things that we can see even to this present day is family feuds, right? It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? It's, you know, Abraham's sons still to this day. Connected, you know, trying to find your way. Exactly right. You know, we have here what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Vayishlaki sent uh, from a consensus of Ryan and Pastor Nick. Uh, my thought is this, I'll just, I'll just do one, and then I'll turn it over to you. Sure. You know, um, the thing that I've realized is that, you know, uh, what is the lesson? Um, I would say that the children of God have to literally know the promise and then prepare to further walk in it. Yeah. So there's, there's preparation and lessons to be learned as you know the promise, 
things have to unfold. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that Jacob had closure with Esau. Right. Now, hear me out on this. This will preach. Here's the deal. He had to have closure with Esau because that was important. He needed to do it. He knew it. If God brings back, he wants to settle the score here. You know, make amends. So, and, and now what happens, Ryan, once that's done, then he has internal conflict. Mm-hmm. Then he has to deal with each internal conflict. Mm-hmm. What his sons did to the Shechemites, yep. you know, his son slept with the concubine, the handmaiden, Rachel's handmaiden. He's got, you know, of course, before that, Rachel dies. He's got all this internal strife that he has to deal with. Sure. As he knows the promise. And then, of course, you know, he, he's got to bury his, his father with his brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so basically. Which um, it doesn't say that his brother tried to kill him or anything at the funeral. <laughs> you know, because no. that was the thing he said. Right. But it seems like they really did make amends. I think I think Esau was happy with his life. Yeah, he got distracted. He got to do what he wanted to do his way. Yeah. And notice he's, you know, kind of outside the land of Israel. He's part of the Edomites. And even when they came out of Egypt, remember God said, you have to go around them because you're related to them. Right. So why would we bring harm to the Jewish people? We should bless them. Amen. Amen. So So let me give you mine. Let me give you my two. All right. So my first one is this. The very thing you fear may be the key to freedom and prosperity. Interesting. So I know that uh, sometimes people have secret sin or they have uh, certain things that they know that they perceive to be great obstacles um, that maybe it's a conversation, maybe it's doing something that you're afraid to do. But doing those things and taking those actions and and, and pushing through may be the very thing that that gives you your breakthrough. Amen? And so I think in this case, for for Jacob, it was facing his brother Esau. Right. and making amends in some form or fashion. He gave him a lot of stuff, you know? So, I mean, maybe that was a way of, hey, look, let me make up for this. But what about this? Think about the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, Ryan. Think about it like this. Go back to 20 years ago and look at all the players. But now look who are the players. Yeah. So we're going to get ready to go into the story of Joseph. Yes. Which is multifaceted. Oh, boy. So all I'm saying is that there are going to be people that aren't going to make it. We understand that. And then there are going to be those that God will raise up yeah. to be a part. Again, but yeah. we have to be willing, Ryan, even if we are called to be successful, which I believe we are, yeah. to this message and live it. But I believe that God's going to bring other players alongside that are going to add to this story. But we have to let them in. Yeah, We have to let those people in. Remember the disciples were arguing, fighting that he's not among us. How can he do these things? Yeah, He's like, hey, they're not against me. They're yes, for me. That's right. And if, even if they offer you a glass of water in my name, they're not against me. Well, and this is why we got to be careful about other organizations. And we don't have to all be the same right. to do the work of God together. That's, that's good. Amen. My second one was there are certain lines that you just shouldn't cross. And we see that with Simeon and Levi. We see that with Reuben. Bad decisions. Uh, yeah. Bad. But God still, why bring it on when you don't have to do it? Well, it's like, oh, like people would say, oh, my son, he's got to sow his wild oats. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he does not. <laughs> he needs to go out there and fail and, and see the world and, and, you know, and then figure it out and, and just try it out, you know. Heck no. No way. Yeah. I've, I personally have never really understood that. Uh, I've always 
tried to maybe learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah, don't go down that road. And use the benefit of, of their no. mistakes to, to you know, get myself Well, it's just ahead. like our president, President Trump. You know, he saw what alcohol did to his brother. Right. He never touched it. Right. And his brother says, don't drink. Right. And he led by an example saying, here, look at me. You want to be like me? And that's why it, it, it was a lasting impression on our president. Yeah. Not to drink alcohol. Yeah. That's interesting. But um, I think that, you know, there's certain things that uh, praise God for forgiveness. But again, there's certain lines that just shouldn't be crossed. And um, and they can not only affect you, but they can affect your children and your children's children, um, as, again, like we see here. So that's that's the Torah portion by Yishlach, you know, and he sent. God bless all of you watching. Yeah, Keep praise the faith. God. Yep. Keep the faith. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel on YouTube or if we're, you're watching on Facebook to make sure you like the page Christians with Torah and share this video. If you made it this far and you don't share this video, I, I don't know what to say. We need some help here. I, we I, need a good word. We need some help. Don't forget also we have December 5th, Mason Clover. Hanukkah's coming up. Our services here at Beit Tehillah on site, which will also be live streamed uh, on the interwebs uh, on the 12th, 13th, and 14th and um monday night the 14th is gerald durstein so uh be there or be square so um i think that's all i've got if you need something email me ryan at twopraise.net ryan at twopraise.net and that's it god bless you guys have a great week